All right, welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. My goal is to uh, help you guys be smarter than those other sellers. So a lot of the content, this one particularly is, you know, people that like really know Amazon and like want to get an edge. Um, I've brought on a guest today. Uh, I've known Jed for a decade. We almost became roommates just as we were leaving college. He helped me sharpen up my resume. This is silly, but I was shocked by the, the amount of amazing advice he gave me regarding my resume. It taught me that he really has an eye for presentation. Then, then we actually went on and had our own lives, but we re- reconnected at the first Prosper show randomly. It turns out he had been zeroing in on Amazon and his eye for presentation and detail and how to be attractive to someone across the world has really paid off as he's figured out how to make products take off. I've been jealous of this amazing agency that he has built, and more importantly, the advice he's given me over the years. Jed is a grocery expert on Amazon and has really seen uh, what's going on right now with coronavirus just take off, where businesses that um, are up you know, 10x, even up to 20 times their sales. So Jed, welcome. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on uh, the podcast today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if we're not talking about coronavirus right now, then it's kind of like, why even talk? I, I, f- I feel like I actually had a few episodes uh, come out before things really got crazy. And we mentioned coronavirus in passing, but like, we have to talk about it now because Amazon in the last two weeks has just flipped overhead and it's completely a different game. It's almost like their fulfillment centers are in survival mode because of the amount of demand that they're having. It's like, hey, welcome. Here's another Christmas, you know, Q4. Just, they're getting slammed. Um, well, and I think that if, uh, if, people, if people were looking for like a Christmas gift, um, you know, it's a difficult time. There's a lot of uh, people that are suffering and, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a really, it's really crazy what an, the damage an invisible bug can do in terms of like bringing the like wheels of commerce to kind of a grinding crawl. But what people don't realize is that the other side of that is it's actually causing, it's the best possible thing that could happen for people buying stuff on their phones. So, you know, my career trajectory is predicated on the belief that people, people will click and buy more stuff on their phones in their future. And when they do that, they'll want to return it no matter what, and that's Amazon. And a shelter-in-place order might as well be called a sit-at-home, like pretend to work from Zoom, download Netflix and chill, and buy stuff on Amazon. It should be called an Amazon buy stuff on your phone in place order, because that's essentially what it is. People are afraid to go out. Malls are closed. Like the only way to get things right now is through a UPS, a FedEx driver or an Amazon plane. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, people are, uh, there's people are scared. There's so much uncertainty across the nation in every th- way. And like no one could have predicted this, that it was going to be like this. And in Amazon land, it feels like, like, you know, every other day there's kind of a shift in, uh, how Amazon is tackling it. They've limited the amounts of products that they can to household essentials. And now it looks like uh, yesterday uh, was the Sunday when they extended the delivery date on many products. And who knows if it's exact. I think it might be zip code uh, locked. Like if, if, if a product is close to you in a fulfillment center, they will send it to you. Um, but they may also prioritize essentials. Um, and of course- It's Amazon, wild. I've never- What's that? 
Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to um, say, of course, they're going to prioritize their own brands as well. Yeah, always. Well, and, and it's and it's so draconian in nature. Like we've never seen anything like it. In the seven years that I've been doing Amazon, you know, I worked inside major companies like a Quest Nutrition, right? Um, which sold uh, which sold last year for a billion dollars. And even inside large organizations like that with very well developed supply chains, you start to get a sense of like you know the the scale of what's going on right now. And with Amazon saying we need a hundred thousand workers, and then they say. We're giving them, them all a $2 raise. Like the thing that no one's talking about in the last 24 hours is that Amazon lending has actually pulled a lot of the money back. Really? So they're not lending to small businesses like they used to. I was talking to somebody I actually met at one of your meetups last night. Okay. And, uh, and he was talking to me about, um, hey, I saw this on a Reddit thread. You're a big, I know you're a big fan of Reddit threads. Yep. And he yep. said, my, my, business, my business was personally impacted and I didn't even notice it. So we started, we did not it this morning and we're seeing Amazon lending pulling back from all of these businesses and, and people aren't talking about it because the, the offers have just disappeared. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, the, uh, I mean, if you're an investor right now, there's risk everywhere. A company that uh, we've talked to that like acquires other companies, they got an order like two, three weeks ago. They're not cutting any checks. They can't buy businesses. You could start like the conversation of deal making, but right now, you know, with so much risk, they can't, they're, everyone's holding onto capital right now. And clearly Amazon is. Well, but that's what I think the beauty of, uh, you know, we have, we, we have a, exposure to a couple of different categories on Amazon and we specialize in several. One of those is grocery. And that's why like one of the, the reason why we focused on grocery in the first place was I really like food. I've, I've worked in food. I've worked around food brands and food brands when you, when they go well, they're a lot of fun to work in like uh, because they ramp really, really fast and they tend to be more recession proof. And so if you want to hedge that risk a little bit on Amazon, look at food brands, look at sports and nutrition, look at grocery, look at fast consumables. And, and what we're seeing right now is an unprecedented spike in demand. People, like I had a conversation today with a company that was going to IPO this year and they specialize in the pet space and they have some pet food items and they have some pet hard good items. And they are like, hey, we don't understand why in the last three weeks, our pet bed sales have tanked 50%, but our pet food sales are up 25%. And I was like, because Fido, need, they're buying two $50 bags of pet food instead of buying Fido a new bet. Like if you have 50, an extra 50 or $100 to spend on the dog, like you're going to get fluffy some extra food because you don't know when you can go back out and get food again for, 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 for the dog or for a pet. And so, and we're seeing unprecedented things I've never seen. Like you have a, a, a client who does tens of millions of dollars a year in, in, uh, in, in uh, pet food. And they're up, they're up 25% in the last week on a, you know, mid, mid seven figure business. It's wild. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Things don't happen that fast. So um, Jed, you've actually, I think you might've been the first person to point out to me why grocery is just like actually different on Amazon. Um, it is very competitive 
and it has some different uh, functions uh, that you know separate it from other categories. So specifically, I think you're the first one to point out to me that like, you know, these repeat buyers and these like repeat customers, because if someone buys a grocery product, they're coming back in six weeks. There's no other product category in Amazon where like it is that much of a subscription, you know, and if you worked at Quest Nutrition and so, uh, you know, probably a lot of their value, you know, they sold for a billion dollars was because they can start trading on different multiples that, you know, a traditional FBA business would not. Because if you um, have like, uh, like subscription revenue, all of a sudden people kind of look at you like a, like a, like a tech company. Correct. They pay a higher multiple. So there's two things that there's two limitations on our skill set. I think a lot of people out there will tell you that they can grow your revenue and grow your sales on Amazon and, and then for a lot of times, that's true. It's also helpful to know what you can't help. And the two things that we can't control is organic review rate and repeat purchase rate. If a brand has a two-star rating, not a lot we can do, right? There are, you know, if it's truly a two-star product. And then on repeat purchase rate in food, nowhere else on Amazon is repeat purchase rate more essential because you can spend on marketing to acquire the customer. But for the repeat purchase, you literally can't, uh, you, you, you can't force food down somebody's throat. They have to actually like it and want to come back and buy more. And so that on Amazon, that's what's so critical is when you find a brand with a strong repeat purchase rate and with a solid organic review rate, you know, that they hit a million dollar, $2 million run rate very quickly. Yeah. It just kind of like cycles up every dollar you spend in marketing uh, or uh, getting a, a customer, you have, you know, a certain percent chance of them coming back for free. There's like, there's like a brand loyalty to the same skew, to the same product. You know, 30% of the people will come back and say, buy that product again. And, that, and, and that's why repeat purchase rate is so valuable. Like when you have a lot of other folks who, are, uh, who, who buy an item, like we, we did an analysis and, and there's not very many people that actually know how to back into these numbers. Like Amazon doesn't tell you what your repeat purchase rate is. Sometimes you can look at your subscribe and save like penetration rates and get an idea there, subscribe and save orders versus total orders. But there's actually a way to back into it where if you download, if you go to Seller Central, you go to reports and the payments, you download the transaction data, and then you look for duplicates, you can right. actually back into what the repeat purchase rate is. And for most brands, like if you sell phone chargers, they buy one a year, one every six months. I lose one every three months and then find an excuse <laughs> to buy another one. But in food, when your repeat purchase rate is so high um, or so quick, you know, people will buy like protein bars and come back and buy another, another thing of protein bars in four weeks or six weeks. And, and, and we learned at Quest, I can't share the confidential numbers, but the lifetime customer value was insanely high. They, had, they, they bought bars seven or eight years ago, and then it was a high, high four-figure repeat purchase rate. So the total lifetime customer on something – in grocery that does really well with organic review rate and repurchase rate, you know, it, you get a significant return on your money over time if you sell a good product and have a good brand. That is, yeah, that's, that would explain why um, that for uh, the CPC on grocery can be like crazy high. Um, what kind of like numbers do you see in CPC uh, the cost per click for some of your grocery products. 
Yeah, I, I call them like the I call them like the the big four, but there's four big trends on Amazon in the grocery category. There's keto, there's vegan, there's gluten-free, and there's paleo. And if you don't hit at least one of those four, you typically have a hard time. There's other trends out there, whether that's like Whole30 or sugar-free. But a lot of times when people go to Amazon for grocery, it's because there's gaps in the catalog at retail in grocery stores, or they have a special dietary restriction. So gluten-free is a good example. Um, A lot of people talk about grain-free. If you go to Google Trends, explore, and you look up grain-free versus gluten-free, in fact, you can do it right now while we're talking. It's crazy. The, the amount of people that search for gluten-free is like 50x the amount of people that search for grain-free. And that's a, that's a medical condition. And so it, it, it's, it's uh, when people find good gluten, gluten-free food, they're extremely loyal and they're extremely oh, valuable. Yeah. Vegan, same thing. Vegetarian is not what people search for or what they look for or what they, they look for. Everybody looks for vegan. So even if they are vegetarian, you, you see that traffic pretty much show up in the, ve- in the vegan space. And so the, the one that's been the most interesting to watch over the last couple of years has been keto. The ketogenic diet is like, the, it was built for social media. If it was a president, it probably would get elected. And I'm apolitical here on this conversation. But keto is a four-letter word. Everybody doesn't really know what it is, but they say they're doing it, right? And, and, uh, and honestly, the cost per click for keto, for keto snacks or for keto related terms, some keto related terms are $18 a click, Whoa. which is, which is insane. It's wild. And like, how, how a normal, and this could be, this could be for like a $20 product. Yeah, it could be for, it could be for uh, a great example of this is like high key snacks does really well in the marketplace. Um, they're not a client of ours. We've, we've, uh, we've actually run some very successful targeting campaigns. So I need to thank whoever runs their Amazon pay-per-click for the free sales. But when it comes to <clears throat> cost per click, when you go up against somebody like high key and you go on keto mini cookies or keto cookies or keto snacks, you might be negative on the first order. But if you have a strong repeat purchase rate, you're, you know, you're going to break even in two, three, four or five orders down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so has, has the uh, cost per click changed right now in the last two weeks? Have you noticed anything there? Yeah, it's, um, we're, we're seeing unprecedented changes. Like we, we use Tika metrics for our programmatic bidding and that helps us measure the, measure the ad KPIs and ad data. Uh, we feel like it's pretty cutting edge. And what we're seeing right now is we're seeing the inability to test or trust the data. There's so much noise that, our typical iteration cycles where like we make some changes, wait a couple of days, you know, cost per clicks for some categories are crashing. Anything that's a hard good, like a pet bed crashing um, and getting a lot cheaper, but the cost per click for hand sanitizer, for toilet paper, right. For like staple goods, it's, it's through the roof. And so you've got, we've had to change our approach and be careful targeting very common, very competitive terms. So the Apple iPhone like terms that are very common, we pretty much avoid right now. Yeah. But I I wonder like, because grocery is like, you know, doing five, 10 times more in sales, are people running out of their budgets? Yeah, we see, we see a lot of folks running out by like 10 AM by noon. And so, you know, day parting is when somebody splits a budget and 
a lot of people tend to run out of budget in the mornings and then they save some budget for the afternoon. That's called day parting. Tika metrics allows us to run hourly iteration cycles. And, and so we're seeing folks like that, like that would have run out at like noon or run out at two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon. They're now they're running out at like nine or 10 in the morning. Really? Well, and that so makes... we've had to go back. We, yeah, they... We've had to go back to clients and say, let's lean in. The problem is, is then, then you got to talk about inventory. And so you want to increase marketing and lean into this opportunity to reposition for it and just follow the demand. The problem is they might, they might not have the inventory in the supply chain to ship it in. And then you're running faster into a brick wall. Now, I actually have no idea here. Um, some grocery co- uh, companies can be very different in their supply chain. Um, do you know of any grocery that is able to react really fast to this and say like, hey, I could, I could 10X our production uh, within a week? Well, one thing that's great about grocery manufacturers, grocery brands, grocery clients is that they, ha- they don't carry a lot of inventory. So Amazon and all their wisdom blocked like we work with a publicly traded company and they make air purifiers like UV light busting, germ busting uh, air purifiers. They can't send in inventory. Literally the best product on the planet to combat coronavirus is a UV germ, you know, light killing air purifier. We can't send that in. However, a grocery manufacturer or our food brands, they're able to respond very quickly and they are able to send because they're quote an essential category. So they tend to be able to react faster to changes. The problem we have right now, um, we have a client who does superfood pouches. They were in the Chobani incubator, very, very smart guys. Their volume literally went parabolic. And I can't disclose the numbers for confidentiality reasons, but they were already at a multi-million dollar run rate doing very, very well. And their volume exploded literally overnight because moms started, and I'm, a, I'm just a common sense guy. Like we believe that it was moms stocking the pantry. They said no more school. So there's no more school lunches. So now mom's got to feed the kids for an extra, you know, seven to 10 meals a week. Um, or if you have, you're like my two sets of twins, you go through 10 superfood pouches a day right? And you eat maybe like 10% of each one of them. And so we had like real conversations around guys, the only other thing we can do to slow this down, like we've scaled back on marketing, we've reduced our budget. We can't get demand to slow any other way than raising price. And I was really cool to see the founders of a food company say, we could capitalize on this opportunity and double or triple our price like the hand sanitizers guys do but they didn't. And, and two days later, Amazon came out and was shutting sellers down for price gouging on hand sanitizer, on key staple items like face masks. Yeah. And I gained a new, new respect for people that are trying to just help others during this critical time. And, and that's one of the reasons we like working with grocery uh, and food founders is they tend to be really good folks. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. Uh, price gouging is a is a crazy conversation that everyone is talking about right now, because um, states actually have different definitions, and it's something that's never really enforced. Because I mean, how often do these occasions come up? And uh, but 
people ask me what's price gouging and I can't give like a specific answer, but I, I think that up to 10%, I know like the, even the most strict States um, say that you could, you could potentially raise prices up to 10% and that is not price gouging. That is not even close to like double. Um, and it's not particularly uh, egregious. Uh, so I'm not going to like judge someone for, you know, raising it just a little bit to maybe curb demand, but that's really cool that like, you know, he straight up just wouldn't raise them at all. Well, we, it's actually had some downstream impact. So like our business model, like yours relies on being a hundred percent on the white hat side of the line. Right. Right. So you know what the black hat and gray hat tactics are like price gouging and stuff like that. However, we, we feel the best long-term strategy is to follow the terms and conditions that Amazon's laid out. And the problem is it's made legitimate brands. Like we were running a price test for a protein bar brand. And we were, we started testing this before coronavirus really hit the U S we said, Hey, we can see the, where the market demand is low retail is very simple. It's low, medium, high on price and good, better, best on quality. And we said, Hey, look, you guys are just basically like, here's, here's the Louis Vuitton of protein bars. Here's the quest nutrition. And you're trying to charge more than that. And there just isn't a market there. We believe if you come down to a more realistic price, you're going to be fine. Well, I was talking to them this morning and they said, Hey, we actually need to take our price back up because we want to make more profit per unit because we can't produce it fast enough. And they said, how do we do that? And, and so we had a conversation around how to break it up into smaller chunks and then what, what, what is actually doable? Because right now you cannot push a 25 or 50% price increase and not think that you're going to jeopardize your account. And if you go into the seller performance queues, the longest we've ever had anyone shut down is 19 days. And we've always gotten every single client turned back on, you know, but you've been in those queues. Yeah, they're very no. arbitrary. They're very, they're, 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 they're not the place you want to be right now. So it's better to just like hold, save um, your bullets, wait a couple of weeks and wait for the air to clear. And then you can start to experiment with price testing again. I I can actually, there's a, a, a really large seller that does over $200 million in sales a year. I know exactly. I know exactly who you're talking he, about. And um, I actually, we have a former employee and I talked to, to, to him about what they got shut down for something regarding brand registry. Um, I've never heard of that happening. I, it might do, be due to just like ways they... In, in, enforce brand registry maybe they were doing it incorrectly and against you know exactly how it's supposed to be used maybe they're sending some some missiles but like they were down for seven days and this is a company that's doing close to a million dollars millions million, yeah millions of dollars millions well, of dollars a day they're doing just, for, just for people sorry i, I know their run rate right now they're close to a million dollars a day um and they were down for a week because I, I think it's because of coronavirus. The, the queues were so long. You know, it's arbitrary when you get responded to. So um, that's crazy. Well, and always, what people don't understand is a, a major seller like that, seven days is a very long time for a big seller like that. Yeah. Like for a smaller brand, seven days, that's actually pretty good to get turned back on in seven days. The problem is, is with the, with, to, to be doing a million or seven figures in sales per day, and to be shut down for seven days, it's an eternity. Well, you know, you start to run a tight ship with a lot of, uh, you know, if you're, if you're doing a million dollars in sales a day, your expenses are close to that. 
you know, you got expenses that are about six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a day because, like, this is inventory that you know you're scheduling out to be to be purchased. Um, so it's just not a time to be running things like this. And I've always actually really liked Jed about how you know he. Uh, I think one of the first times that I talked to him about Amazon, he talked about uh, you know making a product sing and sell doing only white hat tactics. You know, he's like figured it out and it's a combination of, of many things that I've talked about in this podcast. Like it is just lot of, lots of work, you know, it's, it's good marketing, it's good images, it's a good story, it's a good product. And, um, and for some of these grocery products, it's probably just like a, a good brand that builds relationships by like not price gouging. Um, so let's see, are any of your suppliers that are in grocery keeping up with demand? They are. The problem that they have now is they're seeing a spike. So Trader Joe's, the line is 100 feet long, right? Other retail locations are, are going down. And then the supply chains sometimes there are longer. Like UNFI sent out a notice saying they were seeing a 200. UNFI is a major food distributor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they provide, they provide, uh, provide um, inventory for like Whole Foods, yep. a lot of other, other grocery stores. They, they, their CEO sent out a letter that he was on a call with the White House. They were seeing historic demand and that their volumes were 200 to 500% above normal. And the problem we're also having with a lot of food and, um, and sports and nutrition brands is that not only can they, they tend to have tighter supply chains so they can get a production run in a little quicker than getting it from, say, China but they still don't tend to carry a lot of inventory. Like there are a few principles we've learned and we take a more of a principle based approach to the market. And one of them is inventory is cash. Yeah. And, and so when you put an, an expiration in food, you put an expiration date on that cash. Yeah. And so you don't want to have a lot of cash sitting on hand that expires in, in six months, nine months, 12 months or two years. So the problem we're having right now is, is there's so much stress in the system and so much strain that demand is shifting to Amazon as everybody stays home, as their websites go down, as malls close and other retail locations run out of stock. And so like I was going back and forth with the CEO of a company based in New York. They're worth... Um, uh, I think it's popular information, but it's over nine figures. So they're worth a lot. They took an investment from a major food company and we're going back and forth at midnight, 3 a.m. his time because they have to find another 3PL just to keep up with the volume. And then they sell vegan chocolate that's very, very tasty and very, very good and also expensive. And their demand is is also unlike anything I've ever seen. It's like having Black Friday or Cyber Monday every single day. Yeah, and it is uh, it is crazy. So um, we actually, you know, you you mentioned Unify. We've ordered from them, and you know, because we're limited the amount of products that we could send in, we're doubling down on the products that we can. Uh, for two reasons: one just to sustain ourselves. Uh, and two, like, this is going to be around for a while. So I've got two questions for you. Um, will Unify fulfill our order? Do you th- 
Um, UNFI may fill your order, may not, but know your know that there's a priority. There's a tree. The most important principle right now is triage. Triage your time, triage your vendors, triage your relationships, triage right. your catalog, triage your mar- marketing. Like triage in medicine means that the patient with a heart attack or with a it, that needs a, a ventilator in ICU gets priority over like someone that needs two stitches in their cheek or that yeah. like bump their chin, right? And sellers, Amazon sellers need to adopt that same that same principle, and that is that. Um, when it comes to everything that you do, know that UNFI is going to triage their customer list. They're going to take care of Amazon directly, Whole Foods directly, and all of their major partners like a Kroger's before they get to your order. And so a lot of the small resellers, arbitrage guys are not seeing their orders filled right now because either A, the units aren't there, right? Or B, they're deprioritized the same way that Am- and we're seeing Amazon do it in real time. Amazon is saying only essential categories, not essential categories get triaged out. They're saying only prime customers and non-prime customers get triaged out. We've never since I've been doing Amazon seen so much triage on the front end with the consumer. We talk about Amazon having a client sent or customer centric obsession right? That's one of their principal leadership values. However, we've never seen that break down to the degree that it's breaking down right now. And I believe it's not due to the supply chain totally being eviscerated. It's more to the fact that we're seeing historic unprecedented demand that's structurally never going to go back. Because they're telling people over 65, you need to shelter in place. And people are calling their parents who are elderly saying, mom and dad, don't go outside. Well, I can't fly to Texas to go take care of, you know, my yeah. in-laws. However, what I can do is get on my phone and order 60 cases oh, right, my. of superfood pouches. And so you're seeing the demand show up from, you know, millennials ordering for their own older generation. Wow. You're also seeing old people like my grandma doesn't have the internet. And you're seeing a generation that didn't grow up on the text and tweet, tap and click crowd. And now they're told they can't go to the grocery store or the bank or anywhere for the next undetermined amount of time. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do? They've got, they've got to get it somehow. And it's going to come via UPS FedEx or a place like Amazon. So I got two final uh, questions I want to hit. I, I think you're totally right on those things. When does this stabilize? And when it does, what's going to be different? Um, a couple of things. Uh, I watch organizations that have to make very rational decisions with very large amounts of money or resources. Um, you know, and I belong to an organization that has a, that has a 80,000 person volunteer force in a hundred countries across the globe. Never in the history of that $15 million or 15 million member organization, have they ever recalled all of those volunteer representatives at the same time that's happening. Right. And so when I see an organization like that, that makes very rational decisions and they have to operate on timeframes, they're looking three and four months out and they're saying, you know, let's just get through to July to August to September. And then we'll go from there. I think if you look at the place that were hit earliest, it's almost like a window into the future because Wuhan 
is stabilized, right? They went on full lockdown on January 23rd. And if you look at the John Hopkins data, it took a week and then the number of cases went parabolic, mainly as the testing caught up and people realized how serious this is. Then it took six weeks for it to stabilize. So if you just go by the same metrics, look at when New York went on lockdown, how many Amazon sellers are concentrated in three zip codes in Brooklyn, right? I think it's Amazon folklore. Uh, then look at when California went on lockdown. Texas hasn't even gone on full lockdown yet, right? Dallas has. Austin is about to go there. Today, Michigan, Virginia, and New Zealand all shut down. When you see countries continually shutting down and states continually shutting down, my read, and I could be wrong, is I think it will burn in from the coasts, right? And the states that react the soonest uh, will be the ones that um, come out of it a little bit quicker. But right now, the system is still locking up and still shutting down and closing it, it, down. Yeah, no, we're still well, shutting down. Uh, today, uh, and, and, a state, Indiana, where we have operations, uh, gave us shelter order. So it's still happening. And, and, that, and you'll see that. And so there's like the states who are very aggressive and very hard hit, like Washington, they're already in the thick of it. New York, already in the thick of it. But like, we haven't heard a lot about Florida. Florida is like our version of Italy right? It's got a much higher average age for population. Oh, yeah. And then, and then you're, looking, you're looking at other places like Illinois, right? Or Chicago, which is a hub. I was in Midway nine days ago or 10 days ago, and it was a ghost town. And then I find out that they're shutting down the New York airport or Midway airport briefly because air traffic controllers are getting. It. Wow. So, so until you see that, you'll, you'll, see, you'll see it spike as the testing catches up you'll see it level off. And then when you stop hearing, you'll start to slowly hear less bad news, right? right. There will be a lot more states to lock down, a lot more countries to lock down. I mean, I'm going to make a prediction that the, uh, you know, the non-essentials going into Amazon was supposed to end April 5th. I actually think it's going to get pushed out a little bit further. I think that, I think that those initial POs, I think they'll drop a few POs, but I think they'll be lower than expected. And I think they'll be very like, like, what is this? You know, like I was expecting a lot of pent up demand. And I think you're going to see some items go out of stock that are like non-essential. Like we have a client that has a heavy concentration in school supplies in binders and paper and staplers and whiteboards. And, you know, they luckily were able to like stock up ahead of this for totally other reasons. They were doing some warehouse work. They stocked up. They're in a great spot. I can't disclose who it is for confidentiality reasons. Right. But, you know, so what can you do about it? I think the most important takeaway, if anyone gets something out of this conversation today, it's a logistics and inventory arms race. And if you don't get ahead of the curve now, it's going to continue to get worse before it gets better. Jeff Bezos came out yesterday and said exactly that. It will get worse before it gets better. Meaning, I trust Amazon Logistics and I trust the people at Amazon and the DNA, the culture, the system, the systems in place, the, the, the supply chain, fulfillment chain that they have. They own their own planes. They own more DCs in North America than you and I you, well, ever will. Right. So I believe that if you get 90 days of inventory in or as much as you can, you'll get ahead of the receiving backlog that's about to hit. Right. Well, it, 
sounds like I've uh, I've got a someone that contacts me that works for Amazon Fresh, and he's like the backlog is just uh, the receiving backlog is uh, it's uh, he's never seen it. It's you know it's days of just receiving that like isn't happening. Well, look at look at Amazon Europe as a window to the future because when Amazon warehouse workers start to get it they have to shut the whole warehouse down. And then there's a fear trade that comes in where people are afraid to show up to work. Yep. And we saw that happen a couple of days ago with New York. Like one New York worker showed, tested positive. They shut down the whole DC for the day. You can't do that and not have downstream implications. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you've painted a pretty good picture of what we're, we're still in for. Um, so when things reset and let's say we're, we're in August, we're in uh, March of next year, what's some long-term effects that we can be thinking about uh, to, you know, uh, to be prepared for like, like what, what is the future of Amazon? Like this is, they, they are going to be a different company uh, in six months. They are going to be a different company, but I think the answer is like, we're in the greatest, it's one of the greatest times to be in e-commerce that we've ever had in the last 20 years. Why? Because a shelter in place order is literally a buy stuff on your phone and don't go out order. And so I think you're going to see when it comes, when we come out of this on the other side, long-term, there is a structural amount of demand that will never go back to retail. So the, so the split 10 years ago, re, uh, e-commerce was about 3% of total retail, right? Brick and mortar accounted for the other 97%. Fast forward now, and it was about 85-15. So about 15% of sales happened online, and about 85% still happened in malls and stores. I think you're going to see, I predicted in January, we'd see record amount of retail bankruptcies. And that was pre-invisible bug time. Yep. And so I think you're going to see a lot of retailers go bankrupt, go out of business. A lot of people a little hesitant to wade back in. My point is, my point is this, uh, we're going to see the largest one-year transition of people to selling online. So if you've recently lost a job or if you need a side hustle or if you're unemployed or if you're looking for something to do, subscribe to the Smartest Seller Podcast <laughs> and, then, and then make a career shift because e-commerce operations, e-commerce marketing, Amazon um, fulfillment and supply chain, there has never been a better time to do e-commerce product development or to be doing what we're doing. Absolutely. So one thing that happens in a specifically a stressful situation like this is people are creating new habits and you don't forget habits like how easy it is to buy from your phone. So things go back to normal and um, you are going to see more people willing to pull out their phone to order, you know, like tomorrow's groceries just like right there, instead of going into the shop and like doing it, like they're building habits right now that maybe we won't have uh, 20x uh, demand in uh, six months, but we will have maybe two or three x demand. What, what people are not anticipating is how that demand is about to shift. Yeah. So right now it's the TP hand sanitizer, face mask, gold rush. 
Those are the last trades you want to be in. We're going to see people shift from buying essentials to buying hard goods and hard lines. So I anticipate that back to school season, we will see a lot of folks lean in really hard for back to school because they'll spend money because they're going to say, last school year didn't end quite the way we wanted it to. So I'm going to buy you an extra backpack and all new stuff because this you, you're going to get straight A's this year, Johnny. Yeah. And I think you're going to see hard goods like pet beds pick up and you're going to see fast consumables actually drop off a little bit. Yeah. So because people stock the pantry, yeah. right, food brands might overshoot, produce too much inventory. Now we have 90 days of inventory in hand. Now they're going to run a lot of promos. So you'll see some deflationary discounting prime day, prime week. You'll probably see a record amount of coupons and promos for grocery because people will need to lean into it because they need to pick up the extra sales loan and because they just have more inventory that they need yeah. to move. And that cash has an expiration well, date on it. Do you know what? You've given a, a healthy mix of, you know, what to be positive about, but a little bit of caution, you know, uh, don't overcorrect, you know, the market street principle of, uh, of uh, you know, pigs get slaughtered. If you if you get if you go tr- too greedy, if you're jumping in the gold rush right now, like it's not going to be gold forever. Um, so no, Jed, bulls bulls make money, bears make money. You know, pigs get slaughtered. That's right. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, and um, I know that you are always posting, you know, pretty smart uh, analysis on LinkedIn. But if people want to like know more about you know, why, you know, how to do really well in grocery or, uh, you know, how to tap into your mindset a little bit. Um, what can they do? Uh, good question. So, uh, the first is they can follow me on LinkedIn, Jed Rawson or Jedediah Rawson, however you want to search it. Feel free to send me a direct message and, uh, we're happy to send you a white paper we've been putting together on the impact of Corona and what brands can do to adjust for it. Uh, you can also hit our website at rawamz, that's R-A-W-A-M-Z.com. Okay. Send us a, a direct ping and we're happy to, to send you a free analysis of your Amazon account. And if you're a grocery brand or just somebody selling on Amazon and you like more information, feel free to ping us uh, uh, after you subscribe to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. And um, tune in. Like I'm going to keep talking a little bit about Corona because I, it's, it's irresponsible not to. And so the next episodes will be covering that. And I'm actually considering this as like the number one, like uh, show where like Corona is, you know, our new life. And so I uh, look forward to seeing you guys and uh, take care. Stay healthy. One, two, three. This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media.